1: Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal podcast network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and today my returning guest is actor Craig Bierko. Now, I'm having him back on earlier than I normally would because the first time he was on the show, I didn't get to all my questions. And if you listen to the show, you know why. But I have more questions for Mr. Bierko. So we're going to have fun today. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener funded and woman run. Visit Patreon.com slash Start Me Up to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get two bonus What's Up episodes per week. Kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind. There's also an ad free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit Patreon dot com slash start me up now please enjoy my conversation with craig bierko welcome back to the show craig
0: thank you so much uh i've been here the whole time i don't know <laughs> do you do the show other places because uh, eventually the waiters came but i didn't even know
1: well you know i had to have you back because i have more questions for you and um, oh okay Great. <laughs> and so and i have to say both bob and i well i noticed it thoroughly enjoyed your nancy cartoon um postings <laughs> in april
0: <laughs> i'm dying to know what he wrote because uh, he said he said well let's say he, it was like a celebration or something i was like i don't want to miss a parade <laughs> well Man, it was I, no I we just talked Marshall, to, we talked we talked so. we
1: talked about anyway. you on the after party and um just that you did this that you just kept because here i was on my computer right and i yeah. see this nancy cartoon with sluggo And it's just a silly little cartoon And I see it one night Oh, whatever I go past it (laughs) and then the next night I see it again and I think oh that must have been the one from yesterday and then I see another one and I'm like wait a minute so I go over to your feed and you just keep posting it but my favorite part about it was that you took a screenshot of the person who was so angry with you and said unfollowing right. <laughs> not again unfollowing right. well that was that was
0: amazing to me because how could you get I mean we're in a strange place if Nancy is upset any iteration whether it's- somebody's somebody's then just scroll i know but the exactly unfollowing, the violence of it the uh, <laughs> yeah. the implied violence because that's the most violent thing you can do on twitter is unfollow is to, like say it <laughs> <laughs> That's like walking up to somebody. If we didn't have arms
2: like, and
1: exactly. going, beating you up. <laughs> oh my people God. People didn't was have so arms, Slippers. flippers. We told everyone too. like in that, in that time period, we had. So to drive- what was
0: your impression of it? I loved here. Cause that was it. I know what it was for me. I know why right. I, I was doing it, but it was right. funny because I think, because I got that Bob was like, he's, uh, was Bob, right? Yeah. Bob. I, I, I just go, Seska. <laughs> I can go for a Seska. I like to fly a Seska airplane. I do it all the time. Uh, and then I, I'll see his videos, and I'm like, "Charlton Heston couldn't have broad that shoulder, those shoulders. Look at that; that those are James Conn. I, I mean, that, 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 that's unheard of. Uh, he looks like he's wearing half a football." Hat. <laughs> I know,
1: I know. He's he's six um, four too, so.
0: And very smart, very funny man. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, uh, I don't remember what I was going to say, but tell well, me. Well, you were asking me about what, the, what my... Well, what I mean,
1: it? I just... Okay, I, like I said to you on the show the last time, you and I got into some weird-ass conversation, and it was just like we were we were out-weirding each other with our answers. Uh-huh. And so I just kind of chalked it up to you being you, you know, like your right, odd right. sense of humor. I didn't know a specific reason why you may have been posting it, but I just thought, oh, my oh, God, that... Yeah. It just it. I swear, we told... This, we were like... That weekend uh, that we noticed it, we were going to family and seeing people and like we told everyone and I'm sure we're the ones laughing the hardest, but cause it's like a <laughs> right, side joke. Just and tried- <laughs> at you. How to get
2: your family staring. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> okay. it was so fucking fun. And we talked about it on the after party. So what was the reason that you were doing it? Can you, can you share that? I think I can.
0: Well, I'm happy to, it, it was nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I realized, um, Oh, this is the slow turn losing balance hobbling falling over this is like right. twitter has begun yeah. to die mm-hmm. and it's become what i can it definitely has become i can't predict the time and i can't even predict whether that's true what i can predict is i'm so bored on this thing yeah. that i have no i and it's it's so predictable mm-hmm. i had already uh, and i've been on it since uh i think 2000 i want to say 2010 uh, I had done a movie with Alyssa Milano. Yes, that Alyssa Milano. <laughs> and she said, you got to get on this thing called Twitter. And I said, I can't think of a, a bigger waste of time. Uh, it just looks like an inc- a sh- a incinerator for the soul. It just looks like that. And uh, it's complicated. I don't, it doesn't look I like know. it's fun. I don't know what it is. She explained it to me in like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then she said, if you have questions, call me. And the, I remember the basic thing that she, that Alyssa told me, and I do think she has a, a genius for this multi-platform mm-hmm. thing. Which mm-hmm. at that point it was so nascent that it's hard mm-hmm. to appreciate. Yeah, I think most people thought of it like like I was. She kind of jumped right on.
2: Yeah.
0: What I discovered was no, the way my brain works, it's been thirsty for multi-platform thinking. I'm right. I am a multi-thinker in a unitask body. And, uh, but this is going to feed something. And, uh, so it, 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 I just loved, I, I, I was exploring, I did a lot of things. I had like a, a Twitter thon to raise money for this children's hospital I worked for. I did, uh, I, I would do fake outs cause it was so fun cause it was so new and yeah. I really didn't understand it. You know what I, it reminded me of in the second alien aliens when she's on that, uh, those power lifter things mm-hmm. and she has to learn how to walk around on these power lifters. <laughs> yes. Do you, have you seen the movie? <laughs> yes.
2: S- uh, so, Sigourney
0: Wingers on these power lifter things and, and then eventually learns how to walk and be quite graceful on it and that's what she uses to fight the alien. And uh, that's what Twitter felt like to me was <laughs> was getting on one of those power lifter things and, and learning how to dance on it. and mm-hmm. It didn't take very long at all. Yeah. And I loved the idea. I think th- I really, really liked it, and I thought this could be very special. One night when they said there was a girl who had was had stage four cancer, and this was back in 2010, so uh, I think we've made you know it's it's not necessarily uh, you know like as bad as 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 bad or as it was. There 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 are things that can be done. Yeah. Uh, now. But then I, th- I think it, we were further away from that. So it was essentially there was some girl in like, you know, Gdansk or something who was dying. And the little girl, they posted a picture and they said, let's get her trending by the morning. Mm-hmm. So I looked up what trending was, sent a bunch of things out. And uh, and it wasn't me. It wasn't me who did it. But but everybody was so moved that she woke up and realized the entire world was thinking of her. Wow. And I thought, now this is... Why new technologies can be great. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, those moments were few and far between. Yes. I did, I must say that one thing that would make it hard to leave Twitter is it is a great place. It's a great char- source for charity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But you have to, yeah. um, you know, like anything else, you have to cultivate your own
2: yeah.
0: sort of hometown. But I found a lot of guys, there's a guy named uh, uh, Geno Carter. Uh, he, yes. he's under uh, Gino's world. Do you know Gino? Yes, I do. That was the first recommendation I got from Melissa. So we're, I mean, to this day I've always followed him, but we've become great friends. He's very, very funny. Uh, we, we've talked on the phone and just, he asked about the Twitter thon and I said, I hadn't thought of that. He goes, well, let's do it. And yes. that's the kind of guy he is. Yeah. He's been through his own stuff. He's a remarkable human being. I really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know that's a template for me like uh, as long as that's around i can be somewhere yeah. uh but you know i i've got my sprout account sproutable account and i am you, you know i'm ready to I'm jump still your only
1: fo- i'm your own i'm the only person you follow over there <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I haven't even so really special. once i got in i had
0: I hadn't even really looked at it because I suddenly got so involved with absolutely nothing going on <laughs> in my life. Uh, and I got obsessed with it. You know? Well, and you I, know I'm just I
1: like, I feel so incredibly special for like a month now. I've been your, the only person you follow. So, but I, I want to <laughs> ask you, I want to <laughs> ask you about Alyssa because I have a story about Alyssa. Which movie was that that you did with
2: her?
0: Oh, that was, um, uh, um, uh, Oh,
2: what's
1: his
0: uh, It was David Spade, and I'm forgetting. Why am I blanking on the name of it? Because he played the child actor. It was, it was actually a very funny movie. Um, I'll,
1: I'll have to get that. I'll have to get uh, the name oh,
0: I'm, I can see the. Co- I can't believe this. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now because I can't survive not knowing
1: this. The, the movie uh, that you Dickie were – Dickie Roberts.
0: I'm sorry. Oh, I, didn't okay. I didn't have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, that happens. That happens when you hit Mertz years old.
1: Mertz years old. So Uh, wait, I I just have I have to share Uh, with you really quickly my association, my association with Alyssa Milano, because okay, just I'm going to be real quick here, but in 2012 I discovered uh, that the ERA was not in the Constitution, Equal Rights Amendment, right? I thought I thought it was, right? So I met this woman at the rally that I was at in 2012, and she told me blah, 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 and I thought, oh, I'm gonna make this my mission. So I did, because I was blogging, and um, you know I, I had access to all these f- political Facebook pages. So for a time being, I actually was one of the only people putting out information, at least on the internet, about the ERA, and so I was hoping to find somebody who had a really big platform, who was articulate, and, a ni- and preferably a nice-looking woman, who would take it on in the way that I wanted to, and I looked, mm-hmm. and I you know, I was sending out um, open letters to Oprah Winfrey and whatnot. Eventually, I put it on the back burner. I was even basically targeting and harassing uh, Democratic legislators who were not right. supporting it. So then, um, I was asked to be in a group, on a DM group on Twitter, and Alyssa was in it, and this guy was running for um, attorneys, Renato Mariotti, and he was running for Attorney General of um, right. Illinois. And so I said to him, you know, there is a group of women or I should say a group of people who are trying to get the ERA going in in Illinois. And I was hoping that Alyssa would see that. And she did. And then she she exactly fulfilled my intention of finding someone who is good looking, articulate, extremely passionate. And she took it on to the degree where she asked and got Biden to put it on his um uh, his platform for 20, yep. 2020. That's
0: so. That that is Alyssa. Yeah, she's she is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is, but people. She'll get a hard time. I think that comes if you reach a certain yes. level in culture, mm-hmm. and she's you know where where your career actually edges into culture.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you become part of the culture. Yeah, you have to grow like another uh, layer of skin to yeah. to be able to deal with the crap.
1: But, so much crap yeah uh,
0: and she she does it so gracefully mm-hmm. and it hasn't stopped her from you know speaking her heart i i admire admire anybody like that
1: yeah she's she's amazing and i'm so grateful it's funny cuz some of the era activist people who i actually no longer talk to but um when they discovered that you know i kind of brought her in because she just took over man she just did exactly what i was hoping they got all jealous and they would say things like oh is she your best friend now and it's like <laughs> Grow up. Oh, that's <laughs> you
2: know? ridiculous.
1: I know. It's totally ridiculous. But I'm forever grateful to Alyssa. I think she's wonderful. And um, I think that's cool that you were in a movie with her. See all these six degrees of separation. Okay. Now yeah. I want to ask you, um, wh- how old were you? I And I don't remember if I asked you this before, but yeah. when did you know that you wanted to be an actor?
0: Oh, I, I can't remember not wanting to be one. Uh i i think i was i lived in my head
1: me too that's so, what i do yeah I,
0: I just lived in my head I, I wasn't an only child i i i had a big brother but his, his interests weren't the same i i wasn't into sports i i i didn't have this competitive gene at all mm-hmm. and i don't uh, you know stop me if the if we hit something we discussed last time but my dad like actually took me to like a jets game and that was incredible walking out and seeing the stadium, the sheer size of it. That was incredible. And then this little tiny postage stamp that we were looking at and we're sitting in the freezing cold watching these ants run around mm-hmm. this postage stamp. And I went, is that the game? You can, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, and this runs how long? <laughs> literally, literally like nine. And, and he goes, well, you know, it could be like three hours. I go, let's run through, let's just walk, walk me through this like I'm eight, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I but I was confused, and I do remember <laughs> looking down in there and, and and piecing it together over the years to this day, because my, I'm very close friends with with my first girlfriend, and it was always a joke because she was a Chicago Cubs fan, loved you know loved the the Bulls, and, and in '86 that was a big year for Chicago, mm-hmm. the whole town got depressed because the Cubs had gotten into the pennant and lost the pennant and uh it was the year of uh the bears you know where they yes. did uh, the, the, cur- the curly shuffle like set like everything sports wise was happening exactly where i didn't need it to be happening <laughs> uh and in reflection you know of my girlfriend i was the lady and uh <laughs> i just would go make the dip and she would watch the games and, <laughs> you know um and it's still the same way uh, she you know we went out to uh, see a couple of plays this week and we had a great long And, and one of them, a wonderful play called King James, um, uh, which was really, really great. And it's about two uh, basketball fans. And I thought, Oh, you know, why don't you go and take one of your other, take some girl. (laughs) <laughs> who, who's a little manlier than I am with sports. Uh, and, she, and she said, no, 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 she, it was a Steppenwolf. She's a member of Steppenwolf. And okay. I, I, she, she said, I, I think it's supposed to be really special. So I said, oh, we went. And it really wasn't about sports. It was about James LeBron in, in uh, Cleveland, right? And, um, and it took place over a period of seven or eight years. It was, you watch two guys meeting each other, become great friends, Going to the games, and then they get, of course, really, really angry. Le- 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 LeBron leaves, and then he comes back. Uh, and w- while all of that was happening, and they never really talked that much, it's like they never got technical about mm-hmm. basketball. It was more about how men use, and I'm sure women can do this too, but I certainly noticed that uh, as a guy, um, it was a buffer for mm-hmm. intimacy.
1: Right. Yeah. You
0: could be a straight man and express excitement and in you had a reason to jump up Mm -hmm. and hug another guy yeah as long as this as long as you're you know the outside source made that possible for you and scored you know or the other team didn't you had a reason to hug another guy and it wasn't vaguely homosexual or anything like that it was human affection Mm -hmm. and that's really what what the play was about was was a friendship but there was this strand running all the way through and the name of it was King James. So it obviously mm-hmm. was important about how you find, how we all find a way to get what we need. Yeah. And, uh, there's like this language. I was never really a part of that. And I found ways cause all of my friends growing up in college were, yeah. so I found ways to, uh, you know, sit in a room with a bunch of guys who'd start yelling for reasons that I couldn't understand. You know, I started imitating the uh, hmm. the announcer hmm. and uh, doing my own color commentary, make all my friends laugh.
1: Wow. And uh, yeah.
0: And, and uh, when
1: did you start studying acting?
0: Your original question had nothing to do with any of that. Did it?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind I'm of, rem-
0: I'm remarkable <laughs> or an idiot. I don't know which it is, but I'm a remarkable <laughs> idiot. Can we? Do we agree? Well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to agree that you're an uh, idiot. I, I got interested in it. Uh, I, I don't remember a time when I wasn't interested in it. I know I had a leg up because my mom was the president of the Harrison Players. We, of course, lived in Rybrook, so of course she'd be the president of the Harrison <laughs> Players, which is a neighboring town. Uh, but you know, I grew up and I watched her play Mazeppa and Gypsy. Plus she did all, you know, she's very organized and uh, she's one of those people. Mm -hmm. Um, Very organized. And she made a great president for them. But also, you know, she would audition for the shows. Everybody had to audition. Mm -hmm. And they were going to do Gypsy. And she asked my brother and I if we wanted to audition. And I think I said offers only, but thanks. (laughs) No, I, I said, of course. And so they taught us a little thing. We had to audition in front of the company. (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't remember being nervous or scared. I just knew uh, this will be fun. I at least get to do this. And so we had the local paper was the daily item in Ryan. And Gannett, from a Gannett group. We had, So I opened the daily item. They had a little thing, a little button at the end of the piece, where I just went, you know, that's some extra, extra read all about it. Mm-hmm. And Introducing baby June, mm-hmm. if you've ever seen uh, Gypsy. And... Uh, and she, it was baby June and her newsboys or baby June and her farm boys, whatever we had to be, you know? So I had to sing the newsboy song. And when I did the little button, everybody started laughing. And I, I said, what did I do? That was so funny. It was, well, you held the newspaper upside down. And I went, Oh, they're laughing at me. Isn't that nice for my future? And, uh, the whole town laughing at me. I'll be fine. This will, I, you know, I'll be murdering by 13. That's great. Uh, and they said, no, no, no. In fact, the director, Bob Fitzsimmons, Bob Fitzsimmons, said, I, I'd like to keep that in the show. And I was like, oh. So I discovered the pain of crafting a laugh because <laughs> right. Stacy Berman, who I'm still in touch with, Stacey Berman from across the street had come to see the show, had come twice and said, You keep screwing up. <laughs> I said, it's the bit. Don't you understand? <laughs> it's the <a> bits.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, How anyway, old were you? How that, old were I you was, then? Well, a teenager? I
0: was. I was probably eight or nine. Oh, okay. Because shortly after that, my father, who was also in all the plays, he would design all the sets. And he oh, did cool. little parts in the shows. But but the big thing was, my mom and dad were going to do detective story. <laughs> it was a it was a big deal uh, to have the Bierco's. <laughs> the air coast we're gonna play, you know. <laughs> uh and uh but my dad left uh the production. Uh yeah, my mom, but more importantly the production. Wait, and wait, I, wait, 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 wait,
1: wait. Your dad left your mom in the middle of the production?
0: My dad left my mom as they were putting the production together. Wow. Uh
1: yeah, I don't think you know,
0: I I loved my dad very much. I was terrified of him growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, he had some issues. I discussed it before. I don't think I mentioned it to you, but yeah, my dad was a pretty serious alcoholic. Mm. And, and by the time he left, he had, uh, cut a swat. He was a traveling salesman, the last of a dying breed, very gifted, uh, traveling salesman. Uh, and uh had all neat little i mean what i did music man like i asked him stories i mean it wasn't anything i could implement but right. it was it was great to hear the stories of how he you know it's a hard gig yeah walk into a restaurant selling cutlery i've like, done do do i've it? done that figure out he was very creative very very good yeah. and my uh my uncle george who um, started with him as a salesman and stayed and and became fabulously wealthy, retired wow. to Palm Springs, said, you know, I thought your dad, I was jealous of your dad. He was such a naturally talented salesman. And I thought, wow, I can't wait until, you know, I'll surely, he goes to this day, hmm. the most naturally gifted salesman I've ever seen, but wow. it was the follow through. Cause he had a drinking problem yeah. and he had a, a temper problem, hmm. big temper problem. So uh, my grandfather who's fabulously wealthy, um, owned a china company, and hired them both as salesmen. They screwed up. It was time for them to go into the boardroom and get their ass reamed. And I think George, they were you know, 22 years old at okay. that. And uh, George intuitively knew this was gonna be bad. And my father was heir to the throne because this was his father-in-law.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, my you, the way George described it was he said, I don't remember anything but seeing white. That's how bad it was. <laughs> I had to disengage. And I realized it was like being on fire. I just have to know that this is going to end. I'm not going to burn to death, but it was bad. Mm-hmm. We were getting reamed because we blew a sail. And your father stood up, looked at your grandfather and said, fuck you, old man. And he walked oh right Oh, my up. God. And he said he walked out of the boardroom and um, he said it was like I was watching the prince walk out of the kingdom. I, I, I don't think he had any idea what he was walking away from. Mm-hmm. And he sort of, you know, he kept kind of kept going. Uh, so when they, when they broke up, um, I didn't know all this at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't find that out until fairly recently. Um, I just knew that my dad, I sensed, you know, I was 10. I sensed my dad was dealing with stuff. I I, I couldn't compare him to any other dad, but uh, um, yeah, he had, he just came home one night and he just, he, he was done. He mm-hmm. was going to leave. Uh and you know I I think deep down I always had compassion for him. First of all, I you know, my mom was constantly apologizing for marrying my dad. I said, Please stop doing that. You'd be sitting in a kitchen alone talking to yourself if you did. Right. You know. <laughs> so I'm kinda happy you did. But isn't it good that he left high right. five? We didn't end up dead in a ditch yeah. in a car somewhere. He needed to solve his problem. He, he got sober out in Los Angeles. I got to meet the guy who got him sober. I, wow. Within those circles, was quite famous, named Clancy. I got to thank him. Uh, that was great. Um, and he died sober, which uh, I'm very proud of yeah. him for. Um, but he was a character. He was a real character. And, uh, a, and I think a lot of my humor my my way of looking at things came from that first 10 years with him because he was he looked like robert wagner but he could get silly with the best of them he loved comedy he introduced me to all of the albums uh you know from two thousand year old man um everything i mean everything of that era and we Mm -hmm. watched all the shows so i i developed this sense of taste in comedy very much from my dad and my grandmother his mother who uh picked him up when he was three years old in her arms. When the Nazis kicked down the door, wow. she Wow. a Nazi would come up on television, go, those bastards, mm-hmm. like, I can't, like actual, you mm-hmm. could draw a straight line to Nazis, carried him through Russia to Bayonne, wow. New Jersey, as one does, <laughs> and, um, and they were smart. They had him in America and then came back when the war started because my grandfather said, I've got to enlist. He was 28 years old, was the... Um, Captain, or no, the lieutenant of of the uh, Polish cavalry, which was still on horseback, it's where Polish joke started, and it's, uh, it's wow. it was actually it was actually wrong because they would say, well, the Polacks are running, you know, they're driving horses into the tanks, you know, like it's good no, they would ride, they would flank in the forests, they knew the forest backwards and forwards, they would flank the tanks and oftentimes jump on the tanks, pull them open, drop a grenade in. I mean, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, and uh, but, it, you know, it, it was the invasion. It w- it wasn't going to go Warsaw's way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, my grandfather was that front line. And I, we think he was um, – this is a really happy route to take. <laughs> we think he was in the – there was a massacre in, in the forest of Katan. I think that's what it's called, Katan Massacre, where they uh, just lined up um, a bunch of – uh, captured soldiers i think polish america i think both wow. uh but it's certainly polish ha- they had them dig a huge ditch at gunpoint and then they that was their grave and wow. that was the happy ending for my grandfather so i have a he, i have i have a polish cowboy i have polish cowboy blood yippy <laughs> i o kowalski in my blood um and okay, that's, but, but where I did mean, you study acting so he so he, <laughs> he grew, so my dad grew up um he, he comedy became very important. My my grandmother put him in a home for boys, which was what you did mm-hmm. as a war widow. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it wasn't an abnormal thing. And he learned to think on his feet and be funny. Hmm. Uh, and and I I think that's that was the thing I loved most about him was a, his ability to, at the drop of a hat, make me laugh. Yeah. Um, and he was a deeply moral man, very conscious, ahead of his time in terms of like racial equality and all mm-hmm. that stuff he taught us all you know uh, he taught us things that he was just slightly ahead of the curve but really really behind because he grew up fatherless mm-hmm. and um in a way it was to our good fortune in a dark way that he left after he had planted the seed of comedy mm-hmm acting because he was very much a part of that theater company mm-hmm. and he was going to play the kirk douglas role in Tech story with my mom the it's so strange that the week they got divorced my biggest memory was everybody from the theater company going were, there were people from the harrison players the theater company that my mom ran and they were coming over to see how things were going with the play mm-hmm. and my mother said oh the play's off my uh, rex left my dad's name was rex mm-hmm. Uh, Rex left, and I just remember them, I don't remember anybody, like, I can't be that specific, but I do remember they kept coming, they kept pouring over.
2: Hmm.
0: I, I like to think they were there to take care of my mom, but yeah. I think there were also people who were like, what are we going to do, production-wise? Right. You know, yeah. We've got all the flyers. <laughs> um, <laughs> detective story, what are we going to do? <laughs> um, I don't know, get Glenn Ford, see if he's busy. <laughs> Rex can't do it but um yeah that's that was my beginning of my beginning of show business it's it's hard for me to think of without right the real trajectory was and i do, I, I don't think i'm one of these people who's trying to put their family back together i got it immediately that it was good mm-hmm. that 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 something was off with my dad and he needed to take care of himself i loved him very much mm-hmm. i think it affected my brother who was 2 years older much mm. more uh on a, on a level that's beyond articulation because there's a difference between uh, 10 and 12. And yeah. At least in our family, was 12 is when your dad is taking you out back, teaching you, you know, how to throw a punch, how to take a punch. Not everybody's going to find you adorable. All that. All, the dad stuff kicks in mm-hmm. and um, he kicked out.
1: Right.
0: So uh, yeah, we were on a correspondence course in terms of, you know, getting fathered um We would see him, but he he had become kind of Uncle Dad, and for me it felt like okay, this is appropriate,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh but it broke my brother's heart, yeah. I think, in ways. And 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 my brother grew up, and he's become a good father. You know, similarly, my mom grew up with a, my my grandfather was terrific with her, and they had a very close relationship. But my my she didn't get along with my grandmother; could never figure out why. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my grandmother used to look like Ava Gardner. And I, I must say, I love my Nana Francis. But towards, by the time I came along, I, I would put her closer to Ernest Borgnine. Like, she <laughs> lost her neck. Smoking isn't good for you, and you no. shouldn't have more than, you know, a swimming pool of gin a day you should shouldn't do it
1: uh, <laughs> uh, scotch actually
0: okay yeah, well I, I just uh, I, I, it was a different era yes it was I, it was a different era and it's hard for me to separate oh how did you start as an actor from the emotional connection it wasn't right. just going and doing the shows and Harrison players
2: yeah
0: I do I do know that it's um, to this very day if I'm on a set, whether a backstage or a soundstage, uh, that feeling comes back Hmm. because um, I don't know if you've ever done community theater, but it's people who work all day long Mm -hmm. at other jobs. And then they've got three hours. And instead of sitting around farting and watching TV, they'd rather be here painting sets. And and those are some of my fondest memories. First crush on a girl with a girl playing baby during a gypsy. I couldn't, stop staring at. And uh, so it was pretty much all over with the crying. You know, I knew, I knew that's what I wanted to do on a subconscious level. And I was very much the performer in school. Um, it, it wasn't, there was no acting track. I mean, I did all the plays and everything. Um, but I I remember going in, I was going to go into journalism. I went to Boston (laughs) university to study broadcast journalism and, but I went over to Harvard to do plays Because they wouldn't let you do plays because Boston University had a conservatory, and I didn't want that. I wanted an education.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So I transferred to Northwestern, and that was, you know, it took a while, but it wasn't a surprise at all. Hmm. Uh, Looking back on my performance in school, I can't understand why I wasn't petrified. (laughs) Because I had no business being out in the world. I mean, what was (laughs) I going to do?
1: Well, you do seem to be a born entertainer, I will say. Although it's not entirely surprising that you were interested in journalism. I was interested in journalism briefly, too, uh, in my... What
0: stopped you? What turned it around? Because I know what it was for me.
1: Well, for me, I just didn't even really know what I wanted. And then eventually... And I was going... At the time, I was going to uh, Los Angeles Community College, which is like a fucking ashtray pit. It's awful. And during that time, my car was stolen... So I had like, and, and I was forced to take the bus, which I pretty much didn't do because I hated the bus, and yeah. um, I, and so I kind of just so what did you do? I, I I stopped basically going, and then <laughs>
2: um, I stopped
1: going to college, and I started studying the Meisner technique in Los oh. Angeles with his name is Wayne Dvorak. and so. That's pretty much. I mean, I did go to community college for a couple of years, and the way that I was a student was if I liked the class, I'd stay and I'd get a good grade. And pretty much, if I didn't like the (laughs) class, I wouldn't do any work, and eventually, I'd leave. Well, we um, talked
0: about that last time. Yes, I was. I was not. Couldn't understand why (laughs) I. Everyone was stupid smart. Like, all of these people, I was like, Jesus Christ, he's a moron, but he's getting grades. I remember telling you that. And, (laughs) you know, I would get colors. Like, they'd have to just send a color. A disc, onto my mother, a colored disc. We don't know what else to tell you. It's not learning. Whatever he's doing, he's not learning. I don't even think he's facing the blackboard. But, uh, but I got by, and I used to yeah, listen to my friends. All of I loved my friends. I went to nursery school with the same people. I graduated high school with the wow. same hundred people. I loved, loved, loved them. But I thought nobody's like I'm not the idiot. Like I'm nobody ever calls me an idiot. Like mm-hmm. I'm dumb. I was looking for it because like mm-hmm. I was getting these horrible grades. And um, yeah, I, I if it didn't interest me,
1: mm-hmm. it,
0: I, there was nothing that could interest me. Yeah, that's pretty. If much it did interest me, me. I, I was great. And and uh, that sounds like what you had. Well, yeah, a to a degree, were,
1: but you know what? Eventually, I,
0: education caught up with people. Like I think with like Montessori and. Um, I needed – if I could touch something and hold it, I could learn about it. If I could picture it. I was very visual. But concepts like math, just free-floating in a vacuum, were just a headache.
1: You know what? I will say this, though, because in my 10th grade year, I was hyper-focused on – I went to the school that was – I mean, I've never been. I went to a lot of schools. I, I I don't think I ever went to a school more than two years in my life. Wow, and that's so, difficult. Yeah. So
0: friends were inconsistent.
1: Pretty much, but I I that was my normal, and I pretty mm, yeah. much floated with it, and I did okay. But yeah. in the tenth grade, I was at the school. It was West High School in Torrance, and I've never seen anything like it. Like the popularity there. Every school there's a popular group of people. This was way beyond anything I'd ever seen in my life, and so there. My goal was to hang out with a popular crowd. I was never going to be the popular person, but I was going to be popular. Adjacent. You want to be popular, Jason? Yes. So I, okay. I did manage to to achieve that. Um, and instead of doing my homework, I would write papers on why I like how, almost like intentional like intentional manifesting on popularity. And and like Ow. oh, I'm going to this party with you know Monica and Richard, and they were the most popular people. Anyway, so I failed. <laughs> I failed three classes in my 10th yeah. grade year. And so for 11th grade, my mother said, all right, you have to get A's and B's that first semester or, and you can't go out. You can have friends over, but you can't go out. And then if you get A's and B's, then you can go out. So get, I mean, wow. I got A's and B's. And so it's like, even though math was something that was difficult for me when I applied myself and when I stopped fucking around, I would do a good job. But um, I that. just didn't really, Save you know, it's like it was really difficult for me. And I can tell you though, in math, I could get it like you could explain it to me and I could retain it for maybe three or four days and then it just shoots right out of my head again. I'm like, what is that? It's like the Electoral College. I've had the Electoral College to me. It's explained to me so many fucking <laughs> yeah. times. And then I'm yeah. like, what is the what is it?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it's like a ring within a ring. And yeah. there are people.
0: Ultimately, what it is, there's seven people around
1: the world. Yes. And that's pretty yeah, much what it so all boils stupid. down to. Yeah.
0: I, I don't get it either. Yeah, there's some things that uh, I just you know reading music. That was one of them. Hmm. Uh, I, I I don't want to learn to read music. The worst thing that could happen to someone like me is like the Beatles didn't read music. You're like, fuck music. You
1: no, know? Know. Uh, sorry, no music. <laughs> but wait, wait, hold on. Did you did you study like a formal training? Did you, did you do, like, Meisner yes. or something? What what did you study? I did
0: Meisner. I did Meisner. I, I think oh, wow. I did Meisner with, and God love her, my acting teacher. My first acting teacher, North. at I went to Northwestern. My first acting teacher was a woman named Anne Woodworth. Very, very good. I really enjoyed being in her class. I was in her class for about two years. She started teaching us Meisner, and um, I'm not sure that she was ready to teach Meisner. Mm. I could be wrong. Maybe I wasn't ready to receive it, but I never got... I never quite understood what it was that we were doing. Mm. And at that point, if I didn't understand something, I I had to step back from mm-hmm. it and reduce it to a bit. Uh, but I, I I mean, it's at one point, you know, I, I got like, okay, we're looking at each other. Your eyes are green. My eyes are green. Your <laughs> eyes are green. My mm-hmm. eyes are green. Cause you're really just, and then the behavior would change slightly. It mm-hmm. was an acting technique mm-hmm. and it's forcing you to, be conscious on mm-hmm. stage. I think it's really, really invaluable. I, yeah. I would love to, you know, maybe take it again with somebody who really understand it's, you know, it's such a primary source that I don't know if this far along it would help me. Well, it might you know what? It, I don't it know, might. It but, might. I, but I, I never quite, I never quite felt like I received at one point I, I sort of gave up on Meisner and switch teachers when at one point my Meisner partner, like you, eventually you have to have an activity. You're not yeah. just looking and talking to each other. Right. Like you have a task. So my task was, I don't remember, I'm, <laughs> you know I have to open like a six pack of sodas but I can't use my fingers or mm-hmm. something like that, you know? And this, uh, which is weird enough. I mm-hmm. thought that was weird, but there was a girl she's since gone on to become a great director. She did a movie called The Blue Car, I think, Karen Moncrief. Uh, But at this point, she was studying acting, and her task was that she had somebody else in class set up. She had to pour Sanka coffee into cups around the theater, tie her hands behind her back, and she was wriggling around sniffing for the (laughs) Sanka. And I thought, oh, this old Saw. You know, are we really going to play this scene? I'm sitting there trying to open soda with my feet, and she's snipping around for Sanka and a cup, and I was like, "This yes, Glenn Ford did this. Uh, that's my only reference, by the way, is Glenn Ford. Um, anyway. I think I was lucky. Did you like it?
1: I, I fucking loved it, and I stayed there for two. I graduated. It was a two-and-a-half-year thing. Didn't Jeff Goldblum teach it, or does yes, he teach it occasionally? Yeah. He does, but... You know what? I, I was thinking, while I was in the midst of my class with with Wayne Dvorak, um, mm-hmm. I thought – I heard about – I can't remember what the studio is called with Jeff Goldblum, but I had heard about it, and I thought, I'm going to go sit in on one of these uh, classes, and I was prepared. Wasn't it
0: the Pasadena Playhouse?
1: No, it was somewhere in North Hollywood, but I was okay, prepared. Okay, because I got
0: dangerously close to settle there, and I'm glad <laughs> I didn't break.
1: Go no, ahead. But I was really scared because I thought, oh, w- you know, I'm sure – my class is not as good and they're superior and actually Uh, what uh, i uh, found was the coach was terrible at least it wasn't jeff goldblum but it was basically when you're doing the repetition speech, you're supposed to be focusing on emotion so like you can't say fuck you you have to say i'm angry with you or something like that and so um you know you want and i the way i look at it is it's constantly it's being aware of of what you're thinking and feeling and being aware of what the other person is thinking and feeling. And so that's why you don't say fuck you because that has no emotional value. It's the you're making me angry or whatever it is. And so I would see these people basically A, not repeating and just saying things like fuck you. And then at the end of it, the acting coach said okay everybody now tell me why you were so great and it was like what i was like i i thought my fucking class is way superior to this so i absolutely enjoyed it i had a lot of fun and the activities were some of the best experiences that i had because the way we did it our class and i'll just be brief on this was So if I'm doing an activity, I'm alone in my home. Right. And then Mm -hmm. I have this 200 pound weight. So I like, for instance, one of my activities was I had to call in sick to work for some reason and I had to make myself sound like I was sick. So I started snorting pepper. And, um, you know, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, just the shit like and then somebody knocks on the door and they have a 200 pound weight issue that they're dealing with and they want something right. from you. So there it creates that kind of like I've got my thing to do and, you know, but I need you to do this. And so there's yeah. all this pressure and you do the repetition within that pressure. And I just I it was a really great, great way to learn improv and think on your feet and improv. had always scared the shit out of me. And this was like this was a way to learn. it. So I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And, and it
0: isn't an ironic that after all these years, uh, Meisner is still an effective technique, mm-hmm. and yet it has another place in show business in that nothing will get people to turn a podcast off faster <laughs> and to do a deep dive
2: into the madness Meisner. of Meisner.
0: Because people, people are like, Why would you do that? Why would you roll around? Why would you be mad? Why would you
1: snort pepper and then be frustrated because someone wants what? It's but so much fun, though. And it's, it is I, it fun was, to watch. It, it is fun to watch. I remember there was this, we used to do this thing called Red Book. And um, it was so we'd be at the end of the class and we'd still have some time. And so everybody was like, scream, Red Book. And it was just this book filled with quotes. And so oh. what you would do is the coach, you know, you'd pick a quote. And then not everybody knew what that quote was going to be. And then the coach would give us all individual direction. You know, you're this, you're that. We didn't know what the other person got, and so mm-hmm. there was one of them. One of the quotes was, "Did you just fart?" <laughs> and it was like, uh, like my coach had set it up, and we used to fucking have so much fun playing red book, or you know. But it was it was just another way of um, improv and and you having agree? fun and you, being silly. Go ahead. No, that's Sorry. that's what it is. Just being fun and and I, having, I, yes, being that's, silly.
0: and that's really the gift what i realized because I, I wasn't going to if i was going to go into journalism i was not going to be a good journalist <laughs> uh I, I remember the very first assignment we had was walk down commonwealth avenue was at boston university walk down commonwealth avenue just tell us what you've seen hmm. tell us what you see so i take a little walk down Commonwealth <laughs> avenue and i just think uh... so i wrote a line that i was just i was so proud of this piece I thought, you know, what's going to happen is this piece is going to get published and I'm going to be deprived of an education because I'm, success is going to grab me. And, uh, I'll, and I'll always, I won't mourn the education I missed, but I'll wonder. and I'll write a what book if? about that. I'll get the, I'll win the Peabody for that. You know, whatever it was, because right. I was just delighted with the piece that I wrote. Yeah. I may have even stood up and read it to the people on my floor. Uh, like the arrogance and the stupidity because I got a B minus and I was outraged. I was outraged. I've been at school 15 minutes and I'm outraged. And I go to see the Dean of the school of speech who was, uh, this guy, professor Murray Yeager, who was the last of the old guard, the rolled up sleeves, you know, and the just born smelling of cigars, and, you know, and, uh, uh, he he said. So what's what seems to be the problem? I said, well, the piece that I I wrote. He goes, yeah, yeah, your 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 TA sent it along. Yes. What's what, and what's the issue? I said, well, I got a B minus on it. He goes, it's very generous of him. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't understand something. He goes, let me illuminate it for you. In fact, what better way to illuminate it than to read some of your own piece now keep in mind that a news guy's torturing me and he was delighted. (laughs) And I knew I've I've made a huge mistake, but there was no escape. Uh, And on some level, I was thinking of my dad who was getting balled out. Just don't stand up and say, fuck you old man. Like just try (laughs) and keep it together. So, uh, so he said, uh, here's a line I enjoy. When I say enjoy, I mean, I, sorry, I had to read. Um, the shadows spilled across the sidewalk like black wine. (laughs) Now he put it down. He said, do you understand? um, It's one of the first things I said in the the main class, when you're writing an article, keep in mind, you're, you're imparting information. It's what you see you. It's as if someone you want to, through the written word, create the experience of having been there. Plus you can, you know, illuminate with, with facts and figure all that kind of things. You see in a newspaper, am I getting clear to you? I said, no, 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 I got it. But this, what I don't know. At that point I was like, black wine, who comes up with shit like that? That's beautiful. He goes, no one will ever think that no one knows what you're talking about. Is there such a thing as black wine? I've never heard of it. And I'm a drunk, you know, like he, he, he was hilarious. And he said, um, he said, "It's not." He said, "I don't know if it's good writing or not. I don't care. What it is is terrible journalism. You're, and and if you're going to write journalism, keep in mind. And I said this. It's one of the first things that I said. You, when you read a newspaper, I don't think it's like this anymore. But newspapers should, uh, someone with a seven, a, a, I think it was a third to fourth grade education should be able to read." Cover to cover. That's why we put the comics in the middle so they can have a break. You know, it's it's like this is for adults, but not everybody's as educated. And he looked at me and he said, "Not everybody's going to get educated." You know, <laughs> whatever he was, he he just really twisted me around, and mm-hmm. uh, he and and he said, "You know what? You are, you are. It was an egotist." it was egotist. He said, it's not egotistical, not egotistical, not a narcissist. That's not what I'm saying. But, but you have to set your ideas aside. Hmm. And if you don't, it's egotism. Hmm. A, a, a journalist has to disappear
2: mm-hmm.
0: in what it is that he's seeing. And what you've done is it's almost as if you you're behind the newspaper while someone's reading it, you tear it away and you just go, Ha! <laughs> That's not what we do. He was great. So he was the guy. Months later, because I remember, I you know we did presentations in this class. I remember James L. Brooks came to class. Wow, wow. James L. Brooks. Now I knew that he hadn't done broadcast news, but he had done tax. He hadn't. I don't know that he had done any movies of that. But he hadn't even done Terms of Endearment. I don't think at that point. He may have done Terms of Endearment, or he was working on it. But he came in, and I showed up at this giant lecture hall early, thinking it's going to be packed. Seven people. seven people were there and he's he sort of came into the middle of the audience He sat with us and he looked morose and he said i lost a friend of mine Mm. just want to have a moment of silence for him so we were quiet for a minute it was a writer friend i don't remember who it was um and he he started talking about um he had come from the news that's where mary tyler moore came from was Mm. his experience uh you know doing the news and where eventually broadcast news would come from, because he was talking about the death of news. He said, We're, the, the news it's all but dead. Hmm. Um, it used to be federally mandated, it's now profit bearing. it's you know like late night, they have mm-hmm. a division, and it has to make a profit. It used to be you know like um, you know the the DMV. It was yeah. it was you know, it was a service. Uh, And it's become this, like a game show now. It's become, you know, crazy and we're creating stars. But I remember when it was different. And uh, I think the friend he mentioned might have been, it might've been a journalist. So this might've been a really difficult time for him. I sense Mm -hmm. that I don't remember too much about it, but I do remember I went to see, I knew somebody. So I went to see one of the first cuts of broadcast news. I didn't have the guts to go up to him and say anything. I wish I had. Hmm. Um, he's still around. I could send him a note, but I, I, I just remember thinking I got out. I, it was mm-hmm. right. I, I, it was turning into this, um, this twisted version of where I really wanted to be. It mm-hmm. was turning into show business. And right, yeah. I wanted to be a performer and that's why I chose broadcast journalism because I wanted, I thought, well, I can get in front of a camera and, and I don't know what I was thinking. I just was, I just didn't, I wasn't thinking I'll, you know, I'll get a wig and jump on a stage somewhere. I just, it just, even though I grew up doing that, it just didn't, I didn't know what the route there was Yeah. when I got into Northwestern. I don't know. I, there was something about being, I was so unhappy studying at Boston university in journalism. And, and it was the first time I had been truly unhappy feeling like I, you know, like, I got in the wrong torpedo tube and I was about Mm -hmm. to be shot forever into the wrong direction and there'd be no coming back. Uh, and I'd never felt that way before. I had always felt taken care of and that I was, I knew where I was. And even though I couldn't make heads or tails of school, I had these incredible teachers, uh, and the whole mandate there was find out what the students good at, um, strengthen him and make sure that they leave the school with a sense of you know life-size entitlement which Mm -hmm. they did but i just still had no idea how i was going to get i wasn't consciously thinking of being an actor actually um and uh i decided i'm going to apply to northwestern i didn't get in the first time and i'm going to apply again and this time, I don't know why I thought this, because I don't know that I would have made the same decision now. I said, I'm going to be completely me. I, And that meant I'm, I'm going to answer this essay question with a picture. You know, shit like that, mm-hmm. which was really kind of, you know, for the application was – um, and that's what I did and I got in wow. somehow I got in wow. uh, I, there was enough of like I'm a reasonably intelligent person you're not going to be in danger but I'm making <laughs> choices like this and uh, I got in and I felt so at home there hmm. instantly um, and a lot of it I, I noticed that feeling of, that, that wouldn't go away I said, Wait, what am I going to feel like an actor actor because I keep feeling like I'm with the Harrison players mm-hmm. here and now i'm so glad and i realized no that's my there's something about discovering something before while your brain is still soft and yeah. absorbing every contour of the experience yeah. first crush you know the smell of makeup looking at people doing hard work painting sets and laughing and that has never left me so mm. whenever i'm on you know it's not that it can't be hard work or that i don't i haven't been upset or disappointed there's plenty of that but but there has never been a sense i always feel like i'm getting away with something mm-hmm. even now when things are in flux and it's very you know it's very it's a very frustrating time uh to be a performer mm-hmm. with these videotapes you have to send these videotapes yeah. in you know you don't fun. even get yeah. to have any human connection um I re you know I miss that because I used to it, with auditions I had gotten to a point where it was like, at least I get to act, that's all I want. Mm-hmm. That's all I expect today is I get to act today. If mm-hmm. I get the part, that's frosting you right. know yeah and uh but the, now it's it's just different. You have to find another way to get there. I don't envy people entering the business now
1: do you, well, um, are you doing plays now?
0: Yes, the last major thing I did was a play um called Girl from the North Country which was um, written by conor mcpherson a wonderful wonderful irish playwright uh and the and the bob dylan estate had said here's our catalog we love you use any song you want wow any songs whatever we don't want it to be a jukebox musical we want it to be a play Mm -hmm. uh anything you want so he he went through the whole catalog he could have chosen anything and the ones that he chose were it, they were primarily from very few did people recognize, and I had people there who you know knew the deep cuts, but he primarily chose from the Christian period, hmm. his born-again Christian period. It seemed to first of all, they're beautiful, beautiful tunes. And um, and the play was very dark, hmm. but ultimately I think the, what made Connor, what makes Conor McPherson and Dylan so uh, I, I think geniuses is that they can go to very dark places ultimately each piece of art should have something uplifting about it mm-hmm. there's no use putting something just stop putting coal into the system <laughs> so the play took place in 1933 the dead of winter in Duluth uh, and there are all these desperate characters in this rooming house and on paper, I read it, I'm telling you and I saw it in England and didn't get it and I told him this, I said I saw it in England, I I, I, I didn't get it, although I have to say um, we had just seen Waiting for Godot and that's an awful lot of nothing is worth it you know, <laughs> for one day um, I said, so why, what is it that you're looking for? Because I, I had to make the decision very quickly he said, oh Craig just tell the truth <laughs> It's the only bit of direction I ever got <laughs> wow. and the only reaction I ever got. And, um, and it was an amazing experience. I mean, and the people that I worked with, it was, it was unlike any other production, but yeah, it was one of the, I've just, uh, it, it, it was dark. It was very, very dark. It wasn't a pleasant environment yeah. to inhabit, but being with these people was, and, and the ultimately the reaction of the play Every single night. there was It never didn't happen. There was like a stunned silence, a breathlessness, and mm-hmm. then applause. And wow. they'd go nuts because this guy was a genius. He just knew how to... Hmm.
2: Uh,
0: it was just all about in the midst of hardship.
1: Yeah.
0: Just keep going. That's really all it was wow. about. It well, was I guess very, that's a very very message difficult. for today. And you had to it? go through... You had to follow these characters and you had to go down and get a sense of how bad things can get. Mm-hmm. So... If you left during the first act, I imagine you put a gun in your mouth. <laughs> but if you stayed to the second, through the second act, it was, it was transforming.
2: Wow,
1: and and so yeah. now, along with the plays, are you also doing movies or TV? Or are you auditioning, or do you just yes. get offered? Yes,
0: Before uh, the last series I did was it just finished airing. It was on. Uh, oh, that's right, Netflix. the Sex it's One called uh, Sex Life. Sex Life, right? Stacy Ruckheiser. Uh, was the writer producer of it along with a bunch of other people who wrote and some wonderful actors. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think I was, I was doing an episode of the blacklist and when she called and said, do you want to do like, you know, do you want to do the season? Well, the seasons had also changed It's part of what I think is being arbitrated so much. I don't even think we're up to arbitration yet, but, uh, the seasons are now, you know, six episodes. Which you're fine. That's like British TV, and you're going to get better. You're going to get higher quality if you're doing six episodes than if right. you're doing 22. Yeah. You know. So I read. You know, she told me this: the arc of the character, and she also said, you know, you can come in and out because, I mean, literally come in and out for a couple of days because I'm going to do four episodes out of the six, and every single. Uh, one of my scenes is in my office, so they can just shoot it in a couple days. I'll be in and out. So it was in, like, four of the episodes. And uh, I think I was out in, like, three days. Wow. Uh, yeah, amazing. it was great. It was a terrific experience, lovely actors. The show didn't get picked up, which was really odd because it really did well. And then the strike hit, so it wouldn't have mattered mm. if they got picked up right, anyway. Yeah. But uh, I'm not worried about Stacy. She's going to land on her feet. She's just incredible. She wrote the last two seasons. She actually executive, did they call it executive produce? She wrote and produced the last two seasons of uh, unreal, which was the previous series that I had done. And, um, I just love her. I just love her. She also, because, um, and I never said anything to her. She just, you know, she, she was very nice. She said, Netflix really likes you. And I think she knew intuitively that I wrote. Hmm and said, if you ever have anything and I can hmm. do anything for you, please you know, let me know. I mean, it wasn't a sort of, I'll get in touch with Netflix yeah. and get it, push it through. It was let me help you. I've had a right. few people who really surprised me. It wasn't what I was looking for. Sean Hayes is one of those people. Hmm. I love him. Uh, of all things. Um, yeah, he's terrific. He's on Broadway now. hes uh, I'm, I'm forgetting. i playing Oscar Levant. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. And I hear he's brilliant. I really want to go see it. Uh but but Sean Hayes was one of those people. We were doing the three stooges. I'll hold for applause. <laughs> we were doing the three stooges. He was actually they were brilliant, those three I guys. bet. And yes, uh, I love the Curly really, actor. Were. Who, they what, were brilliant. What's the guy who uh, plays it was Curly? Sean Hayes, Will Sasso, and um i can't remember the name it's a greek last name and i never learned to say it but and he that's... played mo and he was brilliant oh, he mo. played robin okay. williams in the tv movie everybody look it up i can't be bothered but he was he was absolute they were they were so terrific that when i arrived there they said the lady said, are you ready are you prepared to walk on the set i thought she was kidding he goes, no they clicked into this thing and it's it's disorienting i said okay So I walked out on the set and it's just, you know, it's Will Sasso, who I've always thought was hilarious, new Sean, and then this other guy, Christian (laughs) Opolis, you know, half an hour of letters and then Anabalopolis. And we were talking and they said, okay, Annabelle, and they clicked into this thing. When you're truly taken aback, do you know that you actually take a step back? I learned it that day. <laughs> you literally step back when you're taken aback. I, it was so freaky. Wow. Especially this guy, Chris, who played Mo. He was this live, he had a swimmer's body. He was like this athlete. Yeah. Never not doing push-ups. It was annoying. <laughs> but... He shrank his neck. He was—I don't know actors like this anymore. When he was auditioning for the part, because they had people they were going to offer it Mm to, you know, big names. This guy just wanted this part, so he went to Warner Brothers. He found a suit from the 1930s. It may have even been Moe's suit. Wow! And he looked in the mirror for hours. He combed his hair. He did his, got his face, and he looked just like him. And he shortened his neck physically. He learned how to shorten his neck. Because he had this long, you know, sort of uh, what's what's the word? aquanine, aquiline, I don't
1: know. whatever.
0: Model. I don't, know. I don't know. What?
1: Like a model. Get a neck. long neck. <laughs> and neck. Uh,
0: he 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 shortened his neck. I'd watch it happen and go, "How do you do that?" And he goes, I, "I I don't know, I don't know." I and they all three of them, all of them. Uh, I think Will Sasso said it the best because it really was. It, if you see the movie, which is, you know, it, there was no need for the movie to be made. Although if you're going to have the, anybody make it, have the Farrelly brothers make it because they understand yeah. that kind of comedy. And it was really fun. Um, but you know, they're so recognizable mm-hmm. that if somebody's not doing it dead on, why do it? Right. You know, cause you, and it's, it would sort of be like doing, you know, um, the Don Lemon movie. Like, why, you know, first of all, why that? now I'm obsessed with somebody doing the Don Lemon movie. Uh, and I don't know who we get because Diane Carroll's not with us anymore. But I kid. Um, um, uh, I, that'll be cut out. No, it won't. No, it won't. <laughs> or I'll get canceled because I'm, I'm just running to get canceled because it's only a matter of time.
1: Uh, but... <laughs> uh she should play him yeah yeah well i was
0: i i am secretly fascinated with uh with well this is it goes back to the conversation of what the news has become this is mm-hmm. he's an incredibly uh, smart facile yeah. person he's clearly uh in, you know uh intelligent and and passionate yeah uh and i think I guess it's anybody's guess as to whether or not it got away from him and why. You know, I don't understand why he was was fired, other than to say, long before Don Lemon came along, um, all of news, all of CNN, at CNN and W and and MSNBC at mm-hmm. least. I don't I don't watch Fox, but I tune in every once in a while when I want to anger myself yeah, to sleep. exactly. But uh, those shows, do you remember? Are you old enough to remember Barbara Walters had a daytime talk show called Not for Women Only? Huh?
1: I, I am old enough, but I don't remember it.
0: Okay, if I stayed home from school, there you had to between Dick Van Dyke shows, mm-hmm. you had to sit through Not <laughs> for Women Only, uh, which was good. So I felt welcome, but not really. You know, uh, certainly not for little boys pretending to be sick and home from school. But uh, anyway, it was just this very. Uh, it was supposed to be. Uh, you know kind of culturally forward but it was still it was early 70s so you know if they had the Betty Crocker haircuts mm-hmm. hair, haircuts hairdos and they're talking mm-hmm. about um, I don't know maybe Gloria Steinem was I don't remember but it was not for women only and you know, it was for women and women were it was supposed to be very feminist but I don't remember it being that way I just remember the tone of the show being a very feminine and mm-hmm. polite and not at all hard hitting.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I thought
0: that's what all of news is actually right. like. Yeah. It all feels like not for women only. Wow, that's what news feels like to me. I, but I was the la- I was one of the last, and I didn't even stay for the duration. I only stayed for one year, but I got a great glimpse into what news was because yet Murray Yeager, who actually ended up writing my uh, my. Uh, letter of what's the letter of endorsement or whatever mm-hmm. to go to Northwestern but the son of a bitch signed the envelope so that I couldn't open it and check so I'd have to wonder whether or not he insulted me and just said, don't take under no circumstances take this egocentric white wine spilling idiot uh, but I steamed it open anyway and he wrote really nice things <laughs> but uh, God bless him I think he passed away Aww. but uh Listen, it would the news today would have killed him. It would have killed yeah, him. He wouldn't have survived the news day. But I learned all about Fred Friendly and what news was, what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I had seen Network as a little kid. I remember oh, sitting right. in class, yeah. going, "Oh, that's what Network is." <laughs> it was this moment. You see Network, and uh, and then Jim Brooks's movie, uh, and you kind of get what happened in this. Period of time between the seventies and eighties, news just yeah. took this arcing swan dive in yeah. an empty pool, and I don't know what it is now. It's not where I know. I get well, my father,
1: my father was an ABC News cameraman for a long ass time, and oh really? Um, yeah. And... Oh, you
0: buried the lead.
2: <laughs> Jesus, where where was this?
1: Well, I mean, he start actually. Here's the interesting thing: he was in Vietnam, and right before I think like right before I was born, he was hit with shrapnel and he had to come home thankfully and okay. He's, he's okay um, so just you know like a day before I was born he was hit with shrapnel so he got to come oh home gosh. and then yeah. um, I guess my mother somehow knew somebody or, or whatever it was at the local radio or no, I'm sorry the local news station here and she got together with his mother my grandmother and they basically said hey go interview for this so he got the job and it was I'm trying to it was WBAL Where is that?
2: That's in Baltimore.
1: It's in Baltimore. No, it's Baltimore. Baltimore, okay. Yeah, so then he moved to um, Philadelphia, worked at KYW. He met my stepmother. And while he was there, he was offered to go to Russia. Um, to work for ABC News and so I actually wound up living in Russia with him oh and my, my stepmother oh, wow. for the 1980-81 school year so that was really cool but I mean what I, a time to be there no shit it was full-on Soviet and I was oh. 12 so I was able to grasp it and yeah. I had an amazing experience um, but you know it's funny was because, there a
0: sense of danger or are you protect- no, I mean clearly you're protected but there must have been some source of
1: no, she- in fact, I felt um, I I engineered. The funny thing is, is diplomat kids had more privilege than correspondence kids. Uh-huh. So I had to take like the Russian school bus to school as opposed to the American school bus, which was coveted to me. I desperately wanted to be on the American school bus. But, you know, I took taxis or the Russian school bus. And so I had the opportunity to have a more authentic experience. And so I organized a yeah. day for my classmates and I. Um, Because I knew how to navigate around the city, and it is it's a police state. There's police on every corner, and so um, or there was. So we all went to Gorky Park. It was just a bunch of us twelve year olds. We went to Gorky Park and had fun, and um, and I navigated the whole day, and it was it was awesome. But you know the funny thing is, is my dad when he came back from Russia, you know he and my stepmother lived in the D.C. area, and so um, that movie you just said the name of it. What is it? uh, News broadcast news oh, broadcast, broadcast news, news yeah. was pretty much their life you know I mean it was like it yeah. was right in the in the 80s and it was ev- how everyone dressed and all of it I mean but I could and the thing is is that now my father can recognize the decline of of the way that the news has been reported and you know and at first I think it was difficult for him to accept it because it was such a part I mean he he's won Emmys and literally the head of ABC came down just to shake his hand because he's such a good cameraman. And um, you know, it's changed. It, really? Yeah.
0: And and what was his experience before the war? Did he have any?
1: No, he 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 didn't. He just he He just, just lucked developed out. this
0: natural gift for it. Huh? He, yeah, he was natural. He had a natural gift for yeah, it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, my is stepmother is still around. Is your yes, dad still he's still around? around.
1: And my stepmother was um and and uh, and she is an Emmy award-winning editor. So um wow you know i've got that but i'm not i'm not uh gifted in that way like they are but (laughs) I have is your dad
0: still are either of them still around yeah they're still around they're still around Oh, god bless that's great oh wow
1: so that that was pretty cool but it was an opportunity yeah i mean it it was an opportunity for me because i got to go to russia but because my father was in the news business it really does i can really see how things have changed and, um, yeah. like I said, it's, it was hard. I mean, I think he's kind of understanding now a little more clearly, you know, like, Oh yeah, it's not the, it's not the news business I grew up in and I, I came right. up in. So, um, it's, it's kind of sad, but you it know. is
0: sad because, uh, it was unifying. Mm-hmm. There is, I, I can't remember what comedian said it, but it was, it's true. There's, there's no more than a half an hour of news that you need. Right. And this 24 hour news yeah. cycle is it's, it's not just bad it's permeated mm-hmm. politics and it drives politics yeah. and and that affects our lives directly it does.
1: yeah and it people was, people are very uh, yeah. what i have found is people are what's the word i mean they're so easily manipulated and and yes. we don't like to believe that about ourselves but i mean i i can see where i have been manipulated i was manipulated in 2016 and fortunately i didn't go all the way but I was manipulated uh, by the Russian disinformation. Really? Him. So, in yeah. what way?
0: How, like, how so? Well,
1: because Bernie was my, my choice because I liked his message, right? Uh-huh. And it was just, as, and I didn't know enough about Bernie. What I know enough, what I know about him now is I don't think he could have pulled off his agenda, but I still yeah. like his agenda. And yes. so, um, you know, I mean, I'm all for you know the Medicare for All and all that stuff. I was never anti-Hillary. I just was pro-Bernie. And so there were, and I'm going to be real brief about this because I've told my, my listeners know this, but um, I was in all of the Bernie groups on Facebook. And it was like, if anybody said anything negative about Hillary Clinton, immediately everyone would jump on them and say, no, this is not a Hillary bashing site. We're just here to promote Bernie. And then around April of 2016, that's when the russian disinformation started and everything changed and those groups became extremely anti-hillary and so they were planting seeds in my head and i was starting to have questions again i never fully went there but i was like hmm yeah. is that is that true and you know and eventually i realized what was happening and i not so much that it was russian disinformation but i realized that what was being said about her wasn't true and You know, I, of course, I, when she became the nominee, I I enthusiastically voted for her. But, um, but still, I got kind of sucked in because you have a bias, you know? I mean, my bias at the time was for Bernie. And so I, you know, it's like I didn't want to believe the things about her that were bullshit, basically. But, but when you are like, hey, I really like Bernie and you hear something about, you know, the person running against Bernie, then you, it's not that you want to believe it, but you're, I think you're a little more quick to believe it. And so, that's where it got to me, so it's like when I see the news now, I mean, whether it's CNN or any of them, so mm-hmm. much of the news is, is what's being suggested to us, and, and it's like Tucker always says, oh, I'm just asking questions, and we all know that asking questions, they're leading questions, and, and they, right. they uh, make yes. people believe something that isn't necessarily true, and that, that wasn't there, you know, when you and I were growing up, that really wasn't there, I mean, everybody had no. opinion news, but... No. The, there was this centralized, like you said, unifying um, source that we could all depend on, and that's just gone now. It's, and I don't know exist. how
0: much of that was us kind of as a – literally as a TV-watching species, you know, on the, on the beginning of a, a, an educational curve, and that we're just a little bit more sophisticated now because things are moving much faster. Mm-hmm. And you don't just glimpse news. You're bathing in it.
1: Yes, exactly. And,
0: um, but – uh, I do remember, you know, that the, it was a half an hour and that seemed like a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, um, and I just, I don't know. And I liked the idea of a newspaper and I liked the ethic of a newspaper and yeah. I like fact checkers mm-hmm. and the fact that all of this stuff existed. And I thought, well, I didn't just learn this. This is stuff. I think for the most part, this is stuff I have. I'm. I suspect that a lot of people knew this, and I just didn't know it, even when I went into school. But having come out of, you know, just one year of journalism school, realizing what a special breed of people. Yeah. Because uh, and what it really came down to is, I have this thing about telling the truth, and that I don't know where it came from. I have an idea of where it came from, uh, an incident in my, in in my life early on but I don't really know. I have this thing about the truth, and the minute I am, and I've been with people who sell me on the truth, and the minute I, I won't even be looking for it because sometimes I don't want it to be true, but the minute I can't disprove the fact Mm -hmm. that they don't live in the truth, consciously so, and it might or might not affect me directly, but if it does, certainly, I'm out of there.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm (laughs) out of there. Because like there's no way back. Yeah. There's no way back, and that's not an artistic sensibility. Because I do believe, yes, bring the. When one Connor said, "Just tell the truth," Greg, I was like, "Okay," but I don't know how to tell the truth because my character kills his kid, gets drunk, and admits it at a Thanksgiving party by mistake. <laughs> yeah. So I have my experience with that is. I don't know, I had trouble with integers. <laughs> that was frustrating. And I had to get in front of a class, that was frustrating. Yeah. But I, I don't know how to tell the truth about this. So I, I really didn't know, I knew the truth was important. I discovered because uh, my dog I was very, very, was my heart.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, my dog died during the, the uh, production right at the end. Wow. And so when I had delivering that monologue, I just realized. Oh, just tell the truth. I yeah. just got to tell. Like, I just tell the truth, and I would lose it. Um, but that's that. All of just the truth in general. Mm-hmm. To realize, I had a somebody. I, I won't no naming names, but mm-hmm. uh, I've been in a relationship with somebody, and we had a bad breakup, and it was you know I don't know. So many good ones, but right, you can be yeah. on—you can be on the trigger end or the barrel. End. Yeah, I was on the barrel. I happened to be on the barrel end of this one. It's, you know, the worst awful. Yeah, and um, uh, a year later, this was a while back. A year later, she said, "Hey, you know, maybe we can be friends." And I—I I just thought, "Oh, last scene of Annie Hall. It's charming." <laughs> okay. You know, that just sort of, remember, it's kind of a rainy day in New York. Yeah. And then he just looks in the camera, he goes, what are you gonna do? We need the eggs, you know, whatever. I just <laughs> thought, yeah, I'll get some eggs. We'll, 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 we did have some good times. Uh, and then we sat down and she said, uh, literally this five seconds, five seconds since the word times, <laughs> you know, times. It's like left her lips. She said, yeah. I never got over the guy I dated before you. Oh, wow. And I went okay, I don't know. So that's no good times, really, if you think about it, not for me. I mean, you may have had some good times. I don't want to know, actually, what kinds of good times you had, because they shared a dog. Uh, I was like, I think I'd rather not hear about, I think, I think I'm just going to go, you know, which it took, you know, and I did, I tried to be friends with her for a while, because it actually that thought is sophisticated for my brain. Yeah. Emotionally. So I I was like, why am I so pissed off? Well, that just must be my problem. And then it took me, and we went out to dinner a couple more times as friends. Mm -hmm. And um, I realized, oh, I'm not going to be able to get past your loose relationship with the truth. That's something, if you had told me when we were first going out, I, Uh, there wouldn't have been a second date Mm -hmm. you know also and then i started to live it and i said and maybe i'd be with somebody right now maybe with kids or maybe if we'd waited you would have gotten over this guy and i wouldn't have been the placeholder but Mm -hmm. whatever i said none of that i just walked i i Hmm. i just walked away you know that night i kind of ended dinner and i that was it Hmm. Uh, and i i have i and i have um I had a very close friend of like 20 years. This is not a story worth getting into, although (laughs) I think the book will probably happen, but I'm not kidding. Uh, But yes, someone who, someone who makes a promise, especially if they're Mm -hmm. a very, very close friend and then uh, breaks that promise. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's, and it it was, it wasn't so much, you know, there was a way out. There was a bridge out. It was. It involved a piece of work. It involved an idea. And um, hmm. uh, can I have this idea? No. Ten years later, while well, I'm out of the country. Oh, I've taken the idea. It's already going into production. Wow. And what is it that you want?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What's your problem? And I said, well, my problem is is that you you know it's over this is my idea, but it's now attached to you. Mm -hmm. You're, you have a famous -er face, So, you know, I don't know what to do. It's, it was almost like if I owned a lumber yard and you said, okay, take Ronald McDonald back. Now it's Ronald McDonald's lumber. It's not going to go well. Like, you know, that was essentially the situation. And um, it got very, very, very ugly because all I decided was I'm, this is about the truth. And, uh, it's not, it's, and hopefully our friendship can sustain, um, this decision that you made, but 20 years, you know, maybe we can do it, mm-hmm. but we have to start and do the right thing, which is, you know, you're going to have to make some sort of gesture. Nothing, hmm. nothing. He had, and I almost, I couldn't believe it. Wow. I couldn't believe it. And, um, I followed through, I, he served me and served me and, um, uh, and I thought, um. I'm just going, I'm not going to sue back. I'm, you know, I'm not going to do the thing where you get to counter Sue. I'm not going to do all that stuff. This is reminding me when, uh, uh, what was his name? Douglas Kenny, after he wrote animal house, uh, moved, became the toast of Hollywood, he, he, they want, you know, he had to move to Hollywood to take meetings. He had to move. That's how many meetings mm-hmm. he couldn't even say in a hotel. He had to move and he moved. And the first thing he did was he got stationary. It's a Douglas Kenny. I'll see you in court. Wow. And he said, "Because that's the truth of show business." Yeah. So uh, it was the end of a twenty-year friendship. It r- was the end, hmm. and uh, would I have no regrets? Uh, because I actually felt like, well, what I can do as a friend is, I can be the guy who lives in your head as the guy who is the example of you can't do this to people. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't treat people this way and i don't know if he got it that was more for me uh scared the shit out of everybody in my family thought this guy was going to ruin me i i didn't care i i I have this thing about telling the truth um it's the least funny part of me It, it at times for me the most annoying part of me because i can't not be honest you know you're performing it's you know that's an implied lie i'm not really up here this is someone's dead hair i'm wearing a costume none of this is happening but in my life i'm especially if i'm in a relationship with somebody or they're counting on me or if they have an expectation i'm honest with what i think i have to offer what i don't have to offer or what i might just you know be scared of tra- but never the fake lead yeah. you know the Uh, Don't worry about it. And then they disappear and they come back. Uh, You probably should have worried about it. I I can't understand. I'm trying to be vague (laughs) uh, and at the same time relate the story. But um, it was it, it was. It was no less profound than, you know, without going into something other that, that my dad had done that just taught me a lesson. Mm-hmm. He did the right, for all he did wrong, mm-hmm. there were some things he did that I wouldn't trade for anything because the example of it, and it had to do, it wasn't about telling the truth, which is, was not an area he excelled in, but what he where he did excel was treating people, treating people with respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, especially people who are at a disadvantage. And I was, you know, I was four or five when I learned that lesson, hmm. no uncertain terms. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant, unforgettable. Uh, and the rest of his, my experience with my dad was essentially a cautionary tale. And so was this experience with this guy. It remains a cautionary tale. Yeah. And I've always been looking for a way like, how do I, how do I tell this story without creating another lawsuit you know um which got thrown out of court anyway but like how, how do i do this without you know this is a litigious person how do i tell the story and i figured out how to do it um and it's important to me because um i can't think of another example other you know the one i shared about the girlfriend that's mm-hmm. a short story or a, a mention it was a disappointment but to have a 20 year old but 20 years of friendship lead up to a lie that yeah. was careerist, nothing else but careerist. <laughs> uh, and just, I would, I, there's nothing in me, I know this for sure. You know, you never know if you're going to be the person who runs into a burning house to save the child mm-hmm. until the house is on fire. You don't know. You can say it. Um, but I know what the truth means to me. I've been mm-hmm. tested. Everybody I trusted in my life was begging me not to just let go
2: mm-hmm.
0: of this thing but i couldn't do it i had mm-hmm. to stand up for it. and in a large way i just thought this is i'm serving the friendship mm-hmm. the end of the friendship is an example of if it's worth it to you the cost of this what you think you've taken mm-hmm. the cost is me and if yeah. i was worth anything to you then that's what it costs you yeah, well, um, that's interesting, and be- that's worth it to me because to lose a, if I ever lost a friend and they said to me it's because of this thing that you said that we both know you didn't mean mm-hmm. I I don't know that I'd be able to come back from that mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be able to completely come back from that
1: Yeah, you I, have
0: other questions, and I'm just doing how whole broke. No, no,
1: no, no, no. I I actually I'm I'm going to ask you the last set of questions in a second. Okay, but I just I just want to say that. I can identify to a degree because uh, I was close friends with someone. It's different because it's not so much about a lie, but I was really close friends with someone for six years, and we were introduced to this man by our, our agent. We had the same agent, and so this, it was a woman, and she introduced me to this man a, mm-hmm. at a party, and my girlfriend was with me. And so this man was interested in me, and he, he was wealthy, and he was kind of bragging about some trip that he had just taken to Europe. And I hadn't I think I had just been to Europe earlier that year. So I remember him trying to impress me and I really didn't give a shit. And I was just standing there like, yeah, uh-huh-uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's like half listening to him. And mm. I didn't realize my friend, she decided, oh, I like this guy. And so oh. um he, you know, I didn't give a shit about him, and so she basically went after him. She wanted to go out with him, and he kept. She got his phone number, and he he kept saying, oh, "Why don't you, bri- you know, tell Kimberly, uh, let's double date with this producer guy he was with." And I was like, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to go out with any yeah. of them." And so, <laughs> so <laughs> and so she wound up, you know, hooking up with him, and then they're married. They've been married now for uh, um. like twenty years. But the thing was, because he was interested in me first, she started changing and then our friend she was changing all right like she was her behavior towards me was changing because uh, now i'm a threat and um you know so she didn't want me around him and and so i had dropped her off she was he was going to take her on a trip there's a long story that i'm making very short he was going to take her on this trip so i dropped her off at his house and You know, he was wealthy, and we were very young, and I was like, oh, I wanted wanted to see his apartment, but I also legitimately had to go to the bathroom, and I asked her, can I use the bathroom, and she said no, and I thought, (laughs) what? And so, you know, I I drop her off, and she leaves, and I'm thinking, holy shit, and and I'm getting really angry, so I left her a message, (laughs) and I said, I don't understand why you didn't even let me go to the bathroom in his house? And so, sh- so she had called me back, and she goes, "Well, I think you just wanted to check things out." And it was like, <sighs> "Well, of course I did. He was your boyfriend, and I wanted to go see his nice apartment." <laughs> and you know, and so then she told me that we couldn't be best friends anymore; that we could just be friends. So I got downgraded, and I was like, "No, thanks." And you so you got downgraded by an yeah.
0: emotional eight-year-old. Who yeah, says
1: that. I know it was really crazy, and I so we stopped being friends. But the funny part yeah. was. We continued to go to acting class. She was in my acting class. Uh, we, were, we were, we had been inseparable. And so after, you know, I decided I was going to literally kill her with kindness. And so yes. I just was friendly to her the whole time. And eventually mm-hmm. it got to a point where we could talk and yeah. be friendly to each other. And, I mean, I have no animosity toward her. There were issues right. in our friendship that I was kind of grateful it ended, you know, on one mm-hmm. hand. On the other, I yeah. wasn't. But I, I get what you're saying because it's like... It's your truth. And, you know, I wasn't just going to stick around so she could tr- treat me like shit. I wasn't going to not say anything about it. And and it hurt because I lost my best yes. friend. And, you know, and here I was. And I remember just, it was like 1997. I remember starting that year off and th- I thought, I don't have any friends and I don't have anything. <laughs> and I was like all alone. And I had no boyfriend and no girlfriend and nothing. And, it, you know, I mean, eventually I found my way through. But, yeah, that I, I, I understand what you're saying when you... When you say that it, it it is it is about the truth because it's about the truth of who we are and how we treat each other and and that yeah.
0: even though it involved her and socially it's it 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 doesn't end it's not indicated socially because the situation was so um and I don't mean to reduce it but it's almost like a sitcom it's mm-hmm. like the first and second act of a sitcom yeah, you know the much. way that but what really was in play was the truth mm-hmm And the fact that like, yeah, you're threatened by something that's not uh, really the friendship is, you know, I'm happy for you, but she couldn't get there. I, I, I can sort of understand that because you know, emotions are emotions mm-hmm. you, you don't need to explain them yeah you just need to uh, handle them and if you can get some perspective on them that that's very brave but it's also rare you know mm-hmm. it's like being in the middle of a hurricane and going yeah but 10 miles away it's quite kind <laughs> exactly. of you know uh,
1: it, it's it's a hard that's that's a hard one to pull off so well she you know and she and I like I said we were best friends for like six years well what happened it's...
0: or where are you now well,
1: that... well she had sent me she sent me um an email in, I think it was around tw- 2012. And I didn't respond immediately. And it took it took some time. But you know what was interesting? Was I was doing this thing with UniteWomen.org. And mm-hmm. it they were collecting stories from, from everybody about rape. Were, it was this whole campaign about rape culture. And so at this particular time, and I don't remember why, but I thought, okay, I'm going to respond to her, and I'm going to touch base. But I did want to ask her because she had proximity to famous people and at that time I did not. And I thought maybe you know maybe I'll be able to hit her up and see if she knows anybody um, who might be able to help out with this campaign. So I, I messaged her and I said, you know, it's been a long time, et cetera, but I'm, I'm, I'm finally getting back to you. And I also would like to talk to you about something and it's kind of, um, uh, I said, it's kind of delicate. I said, so I, I'm gonna wait to hear back from you before I bring it up. But that was what I was thinking, that I was gonna ask her about this thing. But and, and then I, I realized something later. She never did reply to me because she had mm-hmm. reached out to me. And then I guess I took too long. But I at that time, w- I had a, a crowdfunding thing to write a book. And I think maybe she thought I was going to ask her for money. Like the delicate question was so I don't oh, I, I don't see. know if that was it, which I never well, would have asked her for yeah. money. But I, I just figured, you know, maybe that was part of it. I don't know. But I, I know that she's You know, a good friendship would be,
0: there are misunderstandings and little potential Moyer yeah. plays left and right. If you can't talk to somebody and right. go you know who I am. I know who you are. If you haven't reached that point after a little while, yeah, and just, maybe you weren't as close as like I no. wasn't as close to this guy as I thought I was because right. I didn't recognize him. And it sounds like it sounds similar. It's similar.
1: Yeah, it's similar. And it and I mean I think there you know there are those friendships we ha- there are people in our lives who you know you give them something they need, they give you something they need, and Absolutely. Um, so I, I mean we had that thing for each other for a good long time. And then it just, you know, I, I think ultimately it was insecurity. Ultimately, she was afraid that perhaps, yes, you know,
0: and I understand it. You're an attractive person. She, yeah, and she, 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 that's, she. That's that's that's. Well, she was also attractive. You, you know, know, all the doors closed when my mom got divorced. All the doors in the neighborhood closed.
1: Uh, oh, I bet. Because it was a different time. It, I my bet. My mother's a
0: very attractive woman. She was a model and stuff. She's still beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember. I I'll never forget that.
2: Yeah, and it's true. It's true
0: that he understood. Yeah, yes. I wanted like the whole two thoughts in your like your action. It's that you can have. It's a very disappointing thing, and my heart goes out to you. But you did the best. It's the best. Awful. The best thing you can do is use a negative experience to create a positive idea, which is people can be like this. Yeah, and
1: you know what? I've I've ultimately you know I've been quest. You know I'm going through that period right now in the last several years i'm how do i say this it's like i hate the word journey but the idea of a spiritual I understand. journey oh, why oh, yeah. why are we here all that stuff sure and I, I genuinely believe that we have um soul friends right so mm-hmm. when we're not in our human bodies wherever we are i think we have these friends and i i think she's one of them and and the reason Oh, that's I,
0: a lovely thought well
1: i do i think she's one of them because yeah. to this day I have a curiosity about her and I feel a connection to her in, in a way that I don't to some of my other girlfriends who I no longer speak to.
0: Did you have a sense of that before? Kind of. Well, haywire? you know
1: what's funny? When I first met her, I fucking hated her. And I don't mm-hmm. usually hate people, I don't. But there was something <laughs> about her. And so this is a quick little story. We worked at a department store. And she came along and uh, at that time I had not yet studied acting, but I was I think I was telling everybody I was an actress or, you know, I knew I was gearing up for it. And so she came into the picture and whatever. I didn't like her. I, I couldn't stand her. And she she would always see me on the phone because I was just a fuck off at work and I would call my friends and whatever. And so she thought that I was on the phone with my agent all the time, which makes me laugh (laughs) because I didn't have an agent. And but she, you know, and I I would hear people, I would tell all my coworkers like, don't be nice to her. Don't be friends with her. And I mean, that's so not me. I don't know where this was coming from, but I just did not like her. And then one day. She said, do you want to go on a break with me and have coffee? And I said, all right. So we go on a break and we have coffee. (laughs) Is that how
2: you said it? All right. (laughs) Pretty
1: much. I'm like, all right, let's go. So, all right. She was nice. And then she invited me to go see Silence of the Lambs. And that's when our friendship began. And then we were kind of inseparable and we had so much fun. And I did feel at that time, like, yeah, I felt a real closeness. We were so close. And, you know, and then this and then in that it was the six years in the in the last three years, it was kind of up and down. And then this guy comes along and it all ends. And so, you know, I mean, I've thought about her over the years and I've I've just, you know, I've re- only recently decided I do think that she is part of my soul family. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I hope that she's happy. I hope she's living, you know, I don't have any ill feeling to her at all. I, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> she was fucking hysterical and weird and we used to just laugh and she got me and I got her. And I wish that I could have a friend of that caliber now. But, you know, it came with some other stuff that I wasn't in love with. And so, you know, but I do. I've got Seska.
2: Seska. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: flying and, single engine Seska. He's, he's my best yeah. friend now. So, <laughs> uh, well, that's it's.
0: Uh, I I don't know him. I haven't met
1: him, but, but you have to like go 50. on the show. You have to go on his show. I know uh, he. You guys would get along. And then at some point, I don't know if you know this, but he's going to be doing a show with Mary Trump called Trek Politics, and it's going to be a, about Star Trek. And so oh, that's interesting. she she lives <laughs> in New York, and so I know at some point we're going to go up there when there's all these people we oh, know great. in New York. So oh, if and when we'll have to get in touch with you. But this this is going on for a long time, so I don't want to keep you. But yeah, I get, do yeah.
0: no get to my. Get, I want you to get had other questions. I don't want to. Well, these are the. Qu-
1: it's the okay. I'm going to do the Bernard Pivot questionnaire with you, that they okay. do at the end of Inside the Actors Studio. Okay. So uh, you you're familiar with that, right? And yeah. I don't mind.
0: I. You know, uh, oh, actually, I do need to be get going in a little while. So let's do this. (laughs) But, but I'm happy to go. And if you want to do those other questions, I hate that I ramble.
1: No, I love that you. No, I got to my questions. Things that you wanted to ask. No, no, I got to my questions, and then occasionally. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I mean, I I still have a few left over, but that's okay because um I can always say them. Part three. If if Bill Murray
0: agrees, there'll be a part three.
1: (laughs) Of course, there was. Maybe not as soon as this one was. This one was (laughs) sooner than I usually do. But, okay, so let's just start off. What is your favorite word?
0: My favorite word? Mm -hmm. Um, Mom.
1: (laughs) Aw. What is (laughs) is your least favorite word?
0: Motherfucker. No, um, (laughs) my least favorite word is um, can't.
1: Can't. Okay. What turns you on?
0: um be more it, it, you that's the ask question to be more specific so it turns on like mentally or sexually? yeah I would go you know? with
1: mental <laughs>
0: mental okay um uh, I think well it's very specific but the 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 marriage of two separate ideas that work together hmm. so the, two answer. things that uh, it's it seems to be what I do when I when I write I two unlikely it might be a genre and a story it might be uh so, so i i like that it's it it gets my creative juices going and i, I look for that in in uh, architecture yeah uh, it, it, so it really appeals to me things that normally uh, but at the at the end of the day have to be as comfortable or more comfortable than the original Like the single version of it. Like right. if it's a sofa yeah. made out of, uh, you know, uh, an airplane wing, it has to be, Comfortable. it has yeah. to fit in the space. And it has like, it has to be, there has to be something brilliant. It has to be irreplaceable yeah. and just as comfortable, if not more comfortable than a couch.
2: Yes. So that's a
0: hard to call and story, you know, but more, um,
2: uh,
0: I'm, I'm losing my, my words, but, 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 uh, uh Theoretically, if it's an idea, which is basically what I'm talking about, it has to, it can't get in the way of a story. Gotcha. Like Jaws is about fear. Mm -hmm. They threw a a shark in there. But it's really a guy facing (laughs) his fears. It could have been a guy in a dark room, much cheaper. (laughs) And the shark wouldn't have broken down. Also, do you know that the shark in Jaws did nothing wrong? That just occurred to me. He's the only, he's the innocent in the movie. He is.
1: The poor shark. Everyone
0: tells a goddamn murderer. Go ahead.
1: What sound do you love?
0: Um, well, I don't hear it anymore, but I will one day. It was the, the, my favorite sound in the world was the sound of my puppy drinking water.
1: Oh, oh, yes, you have to get a new puppy. We're probably
0: going to go back to my dog a lot.
1: That's okay, because <laughs> you know it's all about the animals. Okay, yeah. what sound or noise do you hate?
0: Uh... um oh. um sirens
1: hmm. what's your favorite curse word
0: uh uh, uh just uh it's fuck face, <laughs> <laughs> fuck face.
1: <laughs> what profession older than yours or no I'm, I'm sorry what profession other than yours would you like to attempt
0: a cartoonist or uh, any kind of artist
1: and what profession would you not like to participate in
0: anything uh that requires i be there at 8 30 in a, in a suit
1: <laughs> i totally get that and if yeah. heaven okay this is the last one if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates
0: I'm not kidding
2: that. Well done.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think, I think (laughs) Alec Baldwin answered. His answer was, "You were right."
0: (laughs) <laughs> oh god that's so funny no but i but that's alec baldwin i i, I it's I, I totally get it i i've only met him a handful of times uh i know i have a friend i'm a friend caroline ray is yes. his friend and they're very close friends and boy that makes me laugh because i know he's a terrific guy very funny very self-effacing yes, incredibly Still, funny. that is really funny dude, that's what like to hear. i wouldn't want to hear that because i don't want to know more than I don't want to be right, uh, more than more right than God. But, I, but you know about the story that I told you. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, a r- little reassurance from God would. Yes, what exactly. If, oh, that, long that, that would I, I that would it. help,
1: and that would feel good.
0: What if mine was Alec Baldwin is waiting for you, in uh, <laughs> the club lounge.
1: That would be awesome, actually.
0: <laughs> you're you're invited to the party. Right game. this
1: way, like, Bierco. Yeah. Um All right, well. It was just so much fun. I love talking to you. and I, I really enjoy will. talking
0: to you. Please tell Seska.
1: I will tell Whenever, Seska.
0: Uh, whatever, whatever. I'm a fan <laughs> of you guys. Aw. And um, um, it's yeah, just that's that. sad. Whatever I can do.
1: All right. So um, before I let you go, tell everybody where to find you.
0: Oh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mr. Bier- Mr. Craig Bierco. You can find me on on is it it's Sproutable. Spoutable. What? Spout spoutable.
1: Spoutable. Yes, yeah, oh, spoutable. Right. Spout
0: spoutable. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. I had I'm thinking plants and you're thinking faucet.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh yeah. Uh
0: at Spoutable, I'm also Mr. Craig Bierko For Switch.
1: Yes. If you're and- looking for me on Instagram,
0: Popular Destination, <laughs> Mr. Craig Bierco. Really, not very imaginative. (laughs) Um, And I'm on Facebook at Craig Bierko.
1: Are you? You better be following me on Instagram because I'm following you. And so you have Uh, to be following me. I will follow you. I I think you might have. I think actually you did. I think you did follow me. Now I think, that I'm, did. Yeah, I, think I did. Yeah, you followed you. Yeah, because I know, and I know I followed. Seska. You did, and he told me he said Craig Bierko follows me on Instagram, and I'm like, hey, and then I saw you <laughs> followed me too. So. I will. I will. <laughs> no, you already, did. Trying, you already did. You already did. You already did. So that's okay. right. I forgot. You do follow me there, and then um, that
0: I really enjoy because there are a lot of possibilities. I'm working. I'm working on doing something uh, on Instagram that I think people haven't seen before, which will be great.
1: Oh, that'll be cool. And know? then um, um, I know you you wanted to mention Loma Linda
0: yes, uh I, I won't tell the the whole story. I'll tell you a little bit of it my 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 uh aunt Dale uh, uh the wife, the beautiful uh wife of the aforementioned George, uncle George mm-hmm. uh, cousin George, they're actually cousins, but we do aunt and uncle. Um, she worked for uh, or does work for a, a, a organization called Little Hearts big hearts for little hearts or something like that or the a camera what it was but it was for Loma, the Loma Linda Children's Hospital and I used to live out in LA and she was like would you come out and have like a nice lunch we'll take your picture blah, blah, blah. And it would be like, that's how far away from the Celebrity Beltway they were. Like Loma Linda's out there. Yeah. So uh, my show got canceled that I was on called Unhitched. We used to call it Unwatched. The day after (laughs) it got canceled, I thought, I'm running out of excuses and I do need something to do. So I drove out to Loma Linda, not expecting anything but a nice lunch, get my picture taken, see my lovely Aunt Dale uh, and and drive back home through the desert. I got there and uh, the woman I met Named Joanne said, Have you been to a children's hospital? I said something glib, like, Well, just the once, you know, something like that.
2: <laughs> Are you ready? And
0: I said, Well, I'm not ready. I walked through the door and I was not ready. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 my ability to distance myself collapsed because I saw a doctor and a nurse holding uh, what looked like uh, two prunes, oh. you know, with tape and, and wires coming out of it two large prunes. And I said, that's a baby. And I said, well, no jeez, And I just lost it. They, she, he handed the nurse, this, this infant, which was clearly in a bit of a situation. And he came over to me and he said, thank he, It was, uh, it was as if I had won the Academy award. Yeah. He came over and said, thank you so much for taking the time to come and see us. Cut to, we're walking through, um, uh, the, the cancer ward. And, and these kids were so, I mean, the looks on their faces and it wasn't me, Mm -hmm. no, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. It was just that, that the, the vibe in this place at Loma Linda Children's Hospital, it was all about the children and it had the spirit of a child. And that's what I was getting. They told me a story about a nurse who had, had just started working there, and there was, you know, there was an infant. She was on a night shift, and she saw another nurse filling out a form while holding the infant. She said, "Oh, let me. Why don't you put the child down? I'll hold the infant for you. But why don't you put her down?" She said, "The child isn't going to make it through the week."
1: Oh my God!
0: And we all decided, all the nurses decided, that she's an angel, and her feet will never touch the ground, and they never did. Then I just lost it. Then it was yeah. just a river of tears. And then to close the story, um, I met this, uh, was introduced to this big, tall, taller than me. I'm I'm a big, tall glass of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 6'3". So this guy must have been like 80 feet tall. This guy was huge. Turn around, had the brightest blue eyes, 70 years old, retired doctor. And he's, he's the guy who I was told, this is the guy who, pioneered the infant heart transplant you know the baby with the bubble the baboon heart and that's the paul simon song this is that guy who did that so if nothing else i met a guy in a paul simon lyric that alone was enough but it was dr bailey and dr bailey Again, with the graciousness I could say, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I was like, I was canceled yesterday. It was either that or see the new Dan Aykroyd movie at 1130 in the morning. You people need to get an idea. But I wasn't in that place at all. He said, you want to see something amazing? I said, all right. He said, take a hold. He goes, wash your hands. I wash my hands. He goes, take a hold of this. He hands me like this little iPod nano thing, vibrating on and off. And he stepped aside. And there was a little cord going directly into a baby's chest he goes you're holding the prototype for the first artificial infant heart wow if i had said artificial heart before it was heart transplant where they did Mm -hmm. a baboon heart into a child and eventually they were able to use human hearts Uh, that's what he pioneered but he was he was pioneering this and in real time and i'm hearing i'm holding this child's life Actually in the palm of my hand. Wow. And it's all technology. And he said, I'm so sorry, but I have to leave. It was like five thirty in the afternoon. He's I said, Please never be sorry for anything ever. You know, you've got he yeah. said, uh, he's, he said, I've I've got to run off now. I have to catch a plane. I thought, How far away does this guy live? So he walks away and the woman I was with said, um, he's flying to Baltimore for a potential donor. So there's a kid in Baltimore who's sick, who is a heart match for this child. So he's going to try to keep this child alive in Baltimore. He's flying at five 30. So he's not going to get there till early, you know, late at night. He's going to perform the procedure. If it doesn't take, he's going to take the heart back to Loma Linda do back to back procedures and put it in this child. And I said, uh, I came from the guy who said this glib thing of like, well, just the one time, too. Can you please walk me to my car? Oh. She <laughs> uh, said, so Joanne, walk me to the car, put me my car, call my mom. Huh. Uh, and I, I said, Mom, I, I, it's too late for me to become a doctor. And Lord knows nobody needs me rooting <laughs> around in their body. But uh, I just saw something. I, I didn't know who else to call. And I, I know that I want to be involved with this hospital. I told her the story. She knew aunt Dale, of course. Um, And I said, I'm calling to tell you because you know me. And, but this time next Thursday, I will have found something else that I need to call you about, but I'm telling you there's nothing I've ever called you about or could ever call you about that will come close to matching what I've just experienced. And i want to do please don't let me forget that i'm saying to you that i need to do something i need to be involved with this so um i did i and then i i i called a friend who told me that agencies actually have i think it's for tax write-offs purposes but you can i decided i can't be a doctor but i can pimp my friends and make money for this hospital because they had mentioned to me that one of their things was that they had never tur- they'll never turn away a child in need mm-hmm. and uh though they make you know they have these huge fundraiser things and they're flush with money mm-hmm. i thought okay i'm going to be part of, i want to contribute to the fund that never that keeps their doors open so i put together my first uh, fundraiser and called every friend i had and those i didn't uh, called fred willard just because wow. I, am, I love fred willard yeah. didn't know him but he came and did it called um, ryan so reynolds cool. who i did know who was at the apex of stardom he changed his uh press that he was doing for a movie so he could be there incredible and the list goes yeah. on lorraine knew him and i just called everybody i wanted to call him every single person to a man showed up matthew perry uh and then I did another one and, 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 uh, and then mainly what I did with my dog Boo was we made these things mm-hmm. called your daily Boo, And, uh, they, at the end of them, there was a little tag, like if you want to send $10, you could, you know, dial mm-hmm. a thing on your phone. They don't have that anymore. But, um, and that was the thing I did that Twitter thon for. And what I want mm-hmm. to do one again with, with Gino, uh, oh, yeah. we mentioned before Gino Carter. Yeah. So, um, uh, Loma Linda uh, and it, there's, if I, if you don't mind, uh, we'll put the address on your page. Just does yeah. your, okay. I'll give you the address, but uh, anything you contribute, I know that times aren't easy, but if you can give anything, five bucks, anything
2: yeah.
0: um, I live for this place. And uh, I hope one day, whoever's listening to this never has to, you know, yeah. that if you have a kid that your kid never comes close to what I saw, but this if if for some reason uh, they do, this is the place to go mm-hmm. if you can get there. Um, and uh, I, I just found I needed this place. And I met so many wonderful people. And um, I, I just know it's a lifelong affiliation. And uh, that's that's my little story. I don't have an ending, so I just bow <laughs> to top, to well, top of no, life. But to that's, top yeah,
1: definitely. Great, uh,
0: George. <laughs> George Carlin, I just bow, <laughs> but um, it, it means so much to me. And there'll be info on, on your web page if yes. you want to make any kind of a contribution.
1: Yeah, send that to me as soon as we hang up, and yeah. um, I will put that on the Patreon description of oh, this that show. Means a lot. Thank you so and much. And so, just in case, I know there are people who are listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify yes. and everything. You can just go to it's patreon.com/slash/start me up you'll find Craig's uh, show and you can click on the link there. And of course you can find me on Twitter, author Kimberly Spoutable, Kimberly Johnson, L E Y. My books are on Amazon, but Craig absolutely love talking to you. And I will be having you back again because you're just super awesome and you're super fun. It's
0: always, I'll I'll be your Tony Randall. So I'm right down the street.
1: That's what I'm looking for. So um, (laughs) big, big, big hug. Thank you for being on. And thank you for what you're doing uh, with Loma Linda. Yeah, and send send me that info. But but thank you. It was awesome talking to you.
0: Seska. <laughs>
1: I'll talk to you soon. Okay.